The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. We're going to get into the word here. There's a few things that we're going to find. Uh, If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to jot these things down. Uh, These are just points that stood out, and I hope they they stand out to you. They're kind of milestones through the message here uh, that we can look forward to. One, who we are called to be. It's a passage of scripture that has fascinated me since I became a believer. Uh, We'll we'll open up with that one, who we're called to be. And I think it's a really great uh, uh, passage to to get going with. Uh, We're going to find out who we're called to be. Another thing that we're going to find is uh, what to look forward to when things aren't fair. I mean, most people in this room have experienced some kind of unfair treatment at some point. Uh, People have been ripped off, they've been lied to, they've been rejected. There's all kinds of unfair treatment when things just are undeserved and and there's something in the scripture that ministers to that 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 is really encouraging and we ought to uh, discover that together and and, uh, uh, expect that. So a third thing that we're going to find is what's needed in order to receive God's promises. What's needed in order to receive God's promises. And I think this is a big deal because, you know, I grew up in in the church environment that celebrated the promises of God and the things in the scripture that uh, are very, uh, the benefits of being a Christian. And we ought to expect those things. There are some instructions in the scripture that when put to practice create cause and effect. I mean, everything in our life hinges on choices and decisions. I mean, the things that we do the decisions that we make do have an effect. And so I want to get to that one. Uh, we'll, we'll close with that one, what's needed to receive God's promises. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start off with who we're called to be. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Matthew chapter 5, if you're taking notes or if you're turning there in the Scripture, verse 48. Now, Matthew chapter 5 is Jesus speaking. He's preaching. He's delivering a message. He actually is finishing up that message. So imagine you just heard Jesus preach, and it was this wonderful message. You feel changes in your heart and in your mind. You feel like your life is going to be turning around because of this truth that has come into your life. And then Jesus has to finish the message with this statement. Now, therefore, go and be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is like the bar is set pretty high, right? I mean, like, perfect is a big word. I mean, the word really means mature. Now, here's what's amazing to me. This passage of scripture blew my mind when I was a a, a young Christian. I read it and just thought, wow, what does that even mean? I mean, does that mean that I can't do anything wrong? Does that mean that if I mess up, then I fail? What does that mean? And what I've come to realize is that that's meant to be the motivation in my life, not to be perfect in the sense of having no error in my life, but to live a life where I'm getting better all the time. That driving force inside of me to improve, to do things better. Now, I've been evaluating my life, and there's some things I'm doing better. There's some things haven't changed, and there's some things that are getting worse. I need to apply this scripture to all of those areas of my life. The things where I'm getting better, I can't get complacent. I need to keep improving. The things where there's no change, I've gotten lazy. I'm not even paying attention. I need to grow and mature in those areas. And the areas that are getting worse are areas that need severe attention. Areas where maybe a lack of gratitude or awareness, you're taking something for granted, and so the the behavior or the attitude toward that situation, that circumstance, or that relationship is beginning to suffer. That's a real tough situation. It's a real red flag. It's a a time for a wake-up call because 
when stuff is moving backwards, it builds a momentum that's tough to turn around. This call to be perfect is a call to always be improving. In fact, the scripture continues with this uh, call to perfection with a promise, that promise that God who began a good work in you, that's me, that's you, that's whoever's reading, will continue to perfect that work to the very last day. Meaning this is a constant process, this state of improving. It's an interesting thing to evaluate your life and ask, am I getting better or worse? Is my attitude getting better? Are my words getting better? Um, how I feel about situations, are, are they, is there improvement here? Or am I stuck in a state of resentment or bitterness or anger or hatred or, or pain or suffering? I mean, fill in the blank with any nasty thing. Those are the things that we're meant to shake off. Those are the things that we're meant to be delivered from. Those are the chains that have been broken and released uh, uh, from, from captivity. Of, and, and these are the things that, that we are not meant to carry through our life. We're meant to improve. Life is meant to get better. So as we evaluate these things, as we begin to examine our life and ask ourselves, am I getting better or am I getting worse? I think it's important to see that God's given us uh, instruction and he's given us wonderful opportunity to see to it that we get better. Now that's the good news. Life is meant to get better. Here's kind of the tough news. It's not always fun to improve. It can be a challenge. It can be difficult. It can be hard. It can be scary. We can be comfortable with our resentment and comfortable with our disappointment. We can become comfortable with the things that are unclean and the things that are nasty and the things that aren't helping us get better. We can just find a place that we feel safe enough so we don't want to move. It can be terrifying to put yourself out there and step out there and try to change and improve and grow and mature. Now, here's a passage of scripture as we look at this process to, to perfection, right? I mean, therefore, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect is the call that we're meant to rise to. This identity on our lives, this maturity where our lives are improving and that we're growing and we're doing better than we were before. Now, there's a process to get to this place. If you have uh, your, your notes there, write down James chapter 1. I want to look at verses 2 through 4. I want to know how to make this happen so that it doesn't just become something where my Bible IQ goes up or it's not just a, an academic addition to the things that I know about the scripture, but I see this as a call on my life that needs to be put to practice and applied and it needs to happen. I need to get better in every aspect of my life. So James chapter 1 verse 1 and 2, or 2 through 4, excuse me, it reads like this, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. I mean, I don't use the word trial that often. My, my legal issues are long behind me, right? But consider this. Just consider the word problem. Consider it all joy when you have problems. Now, that's a word that I use a lot. We have a problem here. Or I use the word challenge a lot. We got a challenge. That's a challenge. I use the word issue. I mean, take whatever words you use and fill in that blank. Consider this an opportunity and consider it joy when you deal with stuff that's hard, when you deal with stuff that's painful, when you deal with stuff that hurts, when you deal with stuff that's unpleasant, when you deal with problems, when you deal with challenges, when you deal with issues. Now, here's why. Knowing that these things will test your faith and that will produce endurance. That's the word of the day right there, endurance. The reason why we can look forward to dealing with things that aren't very pleasant is because there's an opportunity there to develop 
endurance. And now listen to how endurance is, is stated in the next scripture. Verse 4, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. I mean, if, if I stood here and just said, hey, guys, God has a way to make your life perfect, complete, and lacking nothing, how many of you would like to sign up for that? I think every hand would go up. But then consider how that happens. Well, that's going to happen because you're going to deal with things that are very unpleasant and you have to win. You have to endure. And when you endure, you overcome those things. And in overcoming those things, then you have this wonderful result that's maturing and growing and perfect and complete and lacking nothing. I begin to evaluate my own life and say, could I be described like that? Do I feel like things in my life are perfect? Do I feel like they're complete? Do I feel like there's anything lacking? I can begin to see areas where there's imperfection. I can see areas where there's incompletion. And I can see areas where, there's, where there's these challenges and these difficulties need to be dealt with. And what they need to be dealt with, uh, according to the scripture, is, is through endurance. So then I have to ask myself, well, what does that mean? What is endurance? If it's so powerful that it can bring maturity into my life, that it can bring perfection into my life, I want to understand what it is so that I can bring it into existence. So I turn to the dictionary just to look up the word endurance. Here's, here's the definition of endurance. Now, it's going to come in, in four different statements here. The dictionary likes to really be thorough. Listen to this first one. To suffer something painful or difficult with patience. uh <laughs> Uh-oh. I mean, there's no word in that definition that I'm comfortable with. Suffer, painful, difficult, patient? I don't think so, right? But yet, that's the call on our life in order to see this maturity come to pass, in order to see our lives get better. Life can be a challenge. It can be hard. There are terrifying things out there. There's hurts and there's wounds and there's rejections and there's abandonment. There's all kinds of nasty stuff that is looking to put people in a place of misery and depression. And we are called to mature and rise above all of that darkness. And the way that we're going to do that is by suffering those difficult things patiently. It's a challenge. It's a hard thing to do. It's going to require uh, help. It's going to require a, a, a group of support. It's going to require... Uh, encouragement in the scripture and the voice of God in your life. It's going to require the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, not just something that you experience on occasion, but living and active through you. Here's more definitions for endure. They don't get better, by the way. To undergo hardship, especially without giving in. That is the point. To, to go through something that's hard without giving up. Here's another one. To remain firm under suffering and misfortune without giving up. Again, it says without yielding, but that just sounds weird to me. And here's the last one here. To remain in existence, to last. That's the one that I think is, is most meaningful to me. Because there are challenges that rise up in life that make you want to just sit down and quit. But when you think about that call on your life to last, to outlast your challenge, to last and to still be standing when everything settles down, that's a really powerful call. The call on your life and the call on my life is to last, 
to still be standing when everything comes to an end. And there's a couple of passages of scripture that I want to give because I think they're necessary for the, the message to, to have meaning and purpose beyond just encouragement that you have a call on your life. I want to have something that we can look forward to, and that's a, a real important thing to have. If you don't have something you can look forward to, life becomes aimless and, and pointless, and, and we become tossed around by the circumstances and the situations that we deal with. It's more than just having goals. It's having hopes. And for us, our hope is in Jesus, period. And we'll see that here in the scripture in just a moment. I mentioned to you before, we're going to find out something. I mentioned we were going to find what we need to look forward to when things aren't fair. Here's the passage of scripture for you on that. 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to look at verse 20. It says, when you do what's right and you suffer for it and patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. When you do what's right and you suffer for it, that's not fair. You did what was right and you, you were, were treated with uh, an unfair treatment. It's, it's just not right. It can provoke all kinds of, of uh, uh, injustice uh, uh, scenarios in, in your mind and in your heart where you feel like this is wrong, I'm being wronged, and, and what can I possibly do in a situation like this when I've already done what's right but yet I'm getting this result. It's very easy for us to become defensive in those moments and we want to lash out or we want to vindicate, become vengeful. The reality is these are moments where the favor of God comes to the surface. These are moments where God's eye is turned toward you. He loves you and he's maturing us and growing us and raising us. He's the one that promised to continue to perfect us. So in these situations of unfair treatment, it's very easy to want to regress and become worse. But our call is to become better, and the way we become better is by enduring, which means suffering patiently. Not always easy to do. I want to give you another passage of scripture as it concerns endurance. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 is revealing what endurance produces in our life. I mean, it gives us opportunity to do what's right in the face of what's wrong. Here's the passage of scripture, and, and the reason why it stands out is obviously the, the word endurance being such a fixture in it. But it's talking about temptation. Now, don't just think about temptation as something that is uh, an outside provocation attempting you to, to sin or do something corrupt. Consider that this is about facing a decision, a choice. You're at a crossroads. You have a decision to make. One direction is going to be right. The other direction is going to be wrong. We all face choices and decisions every single day. Here's how the scripture reads. No temptation has overtaken you but that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He'll never allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to withstand. But with every single temptation, there is provided a way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. I never really thought about enduring those things. I always just thought about choosing what's right and, and having the discipline to do that or, or having the mentality to do it or the awareness to do it, the education and the, 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 the understanding of what's right and what's wrong. And I think all of those things are good. But what I'm realizing here from this passage of scripture is that that is where the perfection that is promised by endurance is actually going to be an active result. 
when we can face those choices and decisions and realize that I need to endure this. There's an opportunity here for me to get worse and not better. And if I don't choose what's right, I'll be swept away. But I need to stand firm and endure. Endurance. It has a result. That result is is liberating. It's, It's freedom. I'll give you a passage of scripture here for your notes. It's repeated throughout the gospel. I'll give you several passages, but I'm going to read from Matthew 10, 22. The last part of this passage reads like this. The one who has endured to the end will be saved. I look at the word saved through the scripture and I see it differently than I used to. When I used to see the word saved, I could just relate to being born again. But the reality is I've, I've come to know God's salvation often in my life, facing something difficult, facing something challenging, facing temptation, or or facing a choice or a decision where there's compromise present, God can deliver and can save, and he's done that on my behalf many times, and I know he'll continue to as well. I mean, we all need to see God's hand move in power in our lives. We we face difficult things and hard things and challenging things. We want to see God move on our behalf. The reality is that's being saved in that situation. And according to this passage of Scripture, that's going to require enduring to the very end. Uh, That's another interesting thing to consider. I mean, you really don't endure if you don't endure all the way to the end. Anyone in this room that, that would, would stand and, and run a race, you could run as hard as you possibly can. It could be the most incredible performance, but if you don't cross that finish line, what's the point? So as we look at these things, this is not meant to just be something that is a, a point of, of encouragement or, or even just you know growth in our awareness of what the Scripture says. It's meant to be something that lights a fire in us and produces a conviction Take it into your prayer life. God, I want to have the endurance that's necessary to make it all the way. I don't want to just do a good job and then fizzle out. I want to see this thing all the way through. I'm so grateful for the things that you've done in my life. that I I want that to be a, a motivator in me to not give up, to not give in. And I think it's necessary to have encouragement around you. I think it's necessary for me to have encouragement around me. Some people need affirmation more than others, and I can tell you that it goes a long way for me. When you begin to to have like-minded people who all have a similar conviction to endure and a similar conviction to mature and see life improve and get better, you have a group of people that can help one another through words of encouragement, through efforts, uh, through through, uh, disciplines and and corrections that are loving and grace-filled. That's really what the body of Christ is meant to be. We're meant to have that support to offer to one another so that we can continue to to endure those things that are trying to make our lives regress. Here's a a passage of scripture that I want to give you because the more that I consider this maturing process, the more I evaluate my life and ask myself, am I getting better or am I getting worse? I realize the need for that endurance, and so I want to find a a source for it. I mean, how do you get this in your life? It's one thing to know what it is. So we opened up the dictionary. Now we know what it means, right? But how do I get that? Just knowing it doesn't mean I have it. I'll give you a passage of Scripture here, and I think this passage of Scripture speaks volumes, even though it's this this single sentence. Uh, For your notes, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. 
Hebrews 12, verse 7. Our goal is to see our lives get better in every aspect of our living. Our call is to mature, get stronger, be better, not get worse. And it's endurance that has this perfect result, as we read earlier, that leaves us perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. So where do we get that? Hebrews 12, 7, it reads like this. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as his beloved children. Now, that passage of scripture right there, if you just read it and let it hang out there, is, is just semi-poetic and it talks about God as your heavenly father and that's all wonderful and comforting. But consider that first part. It is for discipline that you endure. Now, when I read it that way, it sounds like this. I'm going to endure so that I can have discipline. That's not the right way to read it. It is for discipline that you endure needs to be uh, altered a touch to our, our vernacular, the way we speak today. And here's one thing that helps me a lot as it concerns the scripture. I'll sub in words that are exchangeable, like, like the word for there needs to be swapped out. I don't talk like that, right? We've done this before in here. Uh, it's interchangeable with because, right? Like you could say, I hope he's almost done because I'm hungry, right? Yeah, you wouldn't normally say, I hope he's almost done for I am hungry. Right? It sounds a little snooty, doesn't it? But they're interchangeable, for and because. I'll swap out because, and for some reason in my mind, and for me personally, it brings the verse to life. Remember before it said, it is for discipline that you endure. How about this? It's because of discipline that you endure. And God deals with you as a father that loves you. You're his favorite kid. That's a wonderful thing. It's because of discipline that I endure, because the discipline that God brings into my life, I can outlast and remain. I can improve and mature. I can be left in a position where my life can be perfected and complete and lacking nothing. Or I can stay the same or regress and get worse. Now, this is a passage of Scripture, once again, that's not just meant to, to increase your Bible knowledge, but it's meant to inspire that I can go and take this into my, my prayer life. Father, I want your discipline in my life. I want you to direct me and lead me and guide me. And we've always said this every time the word discipline comes up, and, and get used to it because I think it always needs to be pointed out because we have some, some different thoughts as it concerns Discipline. It can be a real challenge, especially depending on your upbringing and what you've been exposed to, to actually get the, the concept of discipline right. It's very important that we don't mistake discipline for punishment. They're not the same thing. By definition, punishment is a severe or rough treatment in retribution to an action. That's punishment. By the way, punishment was handled at the cross. That's why Jesus was nailed to the cross. That's why he was forsaken. That's why he was beaten. He took the full wrath of God. He took all of God's punishment that was meant for me. So don't mistake discipline for punishment. Discipline, by definition, is training that corrects, molds, or, here's the word, perfects the mental faculties and moral character. I want that. I need that. I need to have training that perfects my moral character and my mental faculties, my mind, the way I think. I want that. God, fix my thinking. 
fix my thinking. Train me, mold me, do whatever it takes to make me better than I was yesterday. That's discipline. That's what produces endurance in our life so that we can remain, so that we can mature, so that we can grow, so that we can come to that place of lacking nothing so that our lives can get better. The choices, the decisions, the thoughts, and the attitudes that we have can begin to line up with the things that are productive and fruitful, no longer destructive and, and painful. Let me give you a passage of scripture here for your notes. It's from the Proverbs 3.12. The one whom God loves, he disciplines, just like a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. That means something to me, that God would choose to relate to me as my father. He wants to be my heavenly father. He wants to bring me into his household as his son, and he wants to have a positive impact on my morality and on my thinking. He wants to discipline me. He wants to train me. He wants to raise me up to be improved and to do better. I begin to evaluate my life, and there are some areas that I see getting better, and I'm thrilled, and I don't want to stop that. I want to ride that train as long as it'll go. Then there are areas where I'm seeing things not get better. They're actually getting worse. And what I realize is I need to go, and I need to talk to my father. I need your training in this. I need your discipline here because this is not getting better. Your word promises that you love me and that you'll bring the training I need into my life so that I can grow in this area mentally, so that I can grow in this area morally, so that I can get better and stop getting worse. Again, this is meant to have an impact on how we view God and how we communicate with him and, and how we function in a relationship with him. God, I want your discipline. It's always a weird passage of scripture that I would hear quoted when people would quote from the Psalms. And it was this, right? I mean, when we talk Psalms, we get a little King Jamesy, right? Because it's, it's poetry is what it is. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's the, the statement. That's just, this is no different than what, what was just stated a moment ago. This is somebody praying and saying, I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. I want you to send me in the right direction. If I get off track, correct me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. These are the things that need to be in our heart that are released through our prayer and our, as our mind and our heart comes into alignment and agreement with them. We ought to expect wonderful things, maturing things, things that grow and produce, things that deliver wonderful uh, results. And we ought to see a separation from the things that are destructive. So I want to know how to have this. I mean, uh, we, we looked at where it comes from. Obviously, it, it comes from uh, uh, these, these trials and these things that we have to deal with, these, it produces endurance, and that endurance has its perfect result. So I want to know like, how to align myself with this so that I can see to it that endurance is a part of me, that, that I can move in that direction and see life improve. I want to give you this uh, passage of scripture here for your notes. I'll read it as well. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, I want to look at verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, it, it reads like this. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance. I mean, that's just weighty, heavy things that aren't productive. And let us lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us so that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, there's that word again, of our faith, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, enduring the shame, enduring the pain, he then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured these hostilities against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's a lot to read, and there's some emotion in that when you consider the endurance that was set before Jesus. And the call on my life and your life to endure is, is never going to uh, surpass that which he endured. That's why he is the author and the perfecter. That's why he is the apostle and the example. No matter what we deal with, no matter how frustrating, difficult, or painful, he's gone ahead of us and made a way. He's offered us his example to follow his lead. When I consider this passage of scripture, I consider the instruction that's in it. As you read through the lines carefully, in order for me to get endurance in my life, first of all, I need to lay aside things that are unfruitful. I've got to stop doing the things that make me want to quit. I've got to stop doing the things that are destructive. Lay aside all of those fruitless, heavy things that you don't need to carry. If it's not part of making your life better, get rid of it. If it's holding you back from maturing and growing and improving, cut it off. Lay aside every encumbrance. And then the sin which so easily entangles us, lay that aside so that you can run with endurance. If you carry those things, you're not going to be able to run with endurance. It's going to be a tremendous hindrance. As God reveals those things to us by the Holy Spirit in our heart, it comes in the form of conviction. We begin to realize what's helpful and what's not. Those were fires that burned so hot in me when I was a, a first a Christian. I remember looking at things that I would be comfortable with, and all of a sudden I wasn't comfortable with it. Whether it was movies or television, there were things that I used to just have no problem seeing come across my, my screen, and then all of a sudden I saw it and thought, you know, that's not right. I don't think I, I, don't think I should do that. But you begin to change. Your convictions change. All of a sudden, your appetites change. Along with them, everything begins to change, and it changes in a direction of health. Things I used to do, and I'd never think twice about doing it. Didn't have a, a single care in the world. All of a sudden, it bothered me, and so I decided that I'm going to stop that too. And before you know it, your life looks totally different because you're laying aside the stuff that's not productive, and you're living your life with endurance. And the next thing you know, you're maturing. You're being perfected, and you're experiencing a life that's more complete and lacking less. So that's one thing. And then the other thing here that stands out that's really important to make a note of is this call to run with endurance. The race that's set before us is followed by this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You've got to look at the finish line. You're in a constant state of, of dealing with things in your life, no matter what. Some things are celebratory and they're great. Life isn't all hardship and misery. I mean, there are wonderful things that we celebrate. No matter what, we're constantly dealing with things. When we are dealing with things that are frustrating or things that are painful or things that are difficult, there is a constant temptation tugging to get you to quit. The only way that you can run with endurance is just keep your eye on that finish line. Don't take your eye off that finish line. Just watch that finish line and keep pushing. Push, push, push. And don't take your eye off of that. In fact, that's what is said here about Jesus, the reason why he could endure even the cross, which is horrible. I mean, it's, it's horrendous, the pain and the rejection and the suffering and the humiliation that he would endure for me. And the scripture here tells us how he was able to do it. He endured the cross. Here's why. 
Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. There's that for again, right? Let's swap out because. Who because of the joy set before him was able to endure the cross. He was looking at the finish line. Sometimes we get so distracted by what we're dealing with, we don't even see the other side of it. That's called being myopic. It means short-sighted. It means all you see is right here. And man, what's right here is hard. What's right here is painful. What's right here is dysfunctional. What's right here is not pleasant. I need to be able to look past that. I need God to give me vision. When the scripture says that Jesus came to heal blind eyes, it doesn't mean you have to be blind physically. He came to open up our eyes to see past the garbage and the nonsense that wants to entangle us, slow us down, and keep us from enduring. I want to see past my problems. I want to see through my problems. I want to see the other side so that I can watch the finish line and I can run in the right direction. Getting better. Not getting worse. The only difference between running a race and running around is a finish line. I spent a lot of my life running around. You just end up exhausted. I didn't go the right direction. I didn't get better. I got worse. But that finish line and keeping your eye on that finish line will keep you moving in the right direction, that direction of improvement and maturity. I want to close with this passage of Scripture, and it's got a few attached to it here. I told you we're going to find what's needed to receive God's promises. I'll give you this passage from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. Hebrews 10, 36, it reads like this. You have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Uh, In my scripture here, I have written out the promise. Because when I see the word promise as it concerns God and God delivering on a promise, that's really where my mind goes. Throughout the scripture, the Holy Spirit is identified as the promise of God. I mean, Luke 24, 49, Acts 1, 4, Acts 2, 33, Acts 2, 39, Ephesians 1, 13, those are just a handful where the Holy Spirit is identified as the promise. And when I see this passage of scripture, when I I come into the awareness of this importance of endurance, the need for endurance, and I see the so that, so that is revealing why. Why do I need endurance? So that when I have refused to quit, when I have not given up, and therefore then accomplished what God sent me to do, I'll receive what was promised. I love the idea of the presence of of the Spirit of God in my life. And I've been in conversation with people that, you know, have differing thoughts and views and opinions. And no matter what, the Holy Spirit is, is an active part of every believer's life. But I know that the Scripture even identifies the Holy Spirit as a down payment. There are things in the kingdom of God that I believe we've yet to see. And I'm excited for those things. I want to endure to the end and see every aspect of God's kingdom active, alive, and powerful in and through my life. That's the call that we have. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning.
I want to pray over us, and the, the prayer will be really simple. In fact, there's no more effective minister in the room than the Holy Spirit. I want to believe and trust that he's doing a work in everyone present here. But when you're delivering a message like that, you, you attempt to communicate and also evaluate at the same time. It can be a challenge sometimes. You know, you can trip over your own tongue because you're thinking and speaking and you're not thinking about what you're speaking. And, but there's moments in a message where you feel like that's the point of ministry right there. That's the thing that we're going to pray. And I think that as we consider endurance and the need to lay aside the things that aren't fruitful, the things that aren't productive, I think that's our prayer point. Asking the Holy Spirit to show us. He doesn't use shame. He uses conviction. He doesn't embarrass people. He builds them up and teaches them. The word that the scripture uses is not a word that we use, but the word is edify. It means it makes you better. That's what I want to pray. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to bring about a conviction in each of our hearts, just, just personally, to show us the things that are holding us back, keeping us from running with endurance the things that trip us up and cause us to fall, the things that, that continue to make things worse and not better. So that we can begin to have the endurance that God's called us to and move toward perfection, completion, lacking nothing. So there where you're at, I want to pray for you. I'm praying with you as well. We can be in a, an attitude of agreement or uh, just simply receiving, but I want to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for the call that you placed upon our lives to improve and to grow. We thank you that you have chosen to be our father and you have adopted us as your sons and daughters. We thank you for that. Let your discipline be uh, received with celebration that you are molding us and leading us and guiding us. Let our attitudes be transformed when we go through difficult things that we wouldn't become angry and bitter, but that we would seek the opportunity to endure, to bring you honor and to bring you glory and to grow and to mature. We give you thanks for the things that you've done. I'm asking now in Jesus' name by your spirit, individually to each person in this room, will you begin to reveal to us the things that hold us back so that they can be laid down so that we can run with endurance. Let a conviction rise in us that would empower us to make the choices and the decisions to see those things laid aside. Let there be no shame, no embarrassment, but just that gentle conviction and give us the courage and the strength to lay those things aside. And let the wonders of endurance and the wonders of victory be revealed to us that it would be desirable for us to live like this as we begin to experience new and greater measures of perfection, completion, and the lacking of nothing. Let our lives be whole for your glory. You've paid the ultimate price to bring us to this point in this place. Let this be a place where we continue to grow and continue to mature and continue to improve in every aspect of our living we bless your name and we thank you for these things. Help us to keep our eyes on the finish line. Give us vision to see past the challenges, see past the hurt, see past the wounds, see past all of the difficulty. Let us see right past it to see the wonderful promise 
that's in the end. We bless you and we thank you for these things. And we ask that you be honored and glorified as we live out our lives, pursuing that perfection that you've paid the highest price to bring into our existence. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. All the saints declare, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.